You can um, be seated in Jesus' name. Did you get it up and going? Okay, good. Do you want to put that first image on the screen as the two kids fighting? Yeah, I think that's adorable. And it's, I think we all can identify with that. <laughs> Big time. Amen. Um, tonight we're going to start a, a, a new series of lessons, four of them that is, and it has to do with God is with us. And we're going to talk about believing without understanding here tonight, which is a very important aspect of faith. And then we're going to talk about next week, the Lord is with you, the promise, or I should say God knows the way, and then the beauty of the broken. And so these four lessons hopefully will be a blessing to you and further your education and understanding in the things of God. We're um, going to talk about last uh, four weeks, we've been dealing with mainly the character of David. Uh, David is such a true example um, in all of his humanity and things that he, he, he struggled with and was able to overcome. And it does, it, it helps to know that. Um, Joseph is the one we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, if you get a, uh, some time this next week, a good um, chapter to read would be the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis. This is where jo Joseph, and we're going to talk about a little bit of that tonight, where he really gets um, into some things and disappointments and, and sibling rivalry. Anybody ever been a part of that? Yeah. Yeah, that's if you more than one child, you are part of that. <laughs> that comes naturally. It really does. And so um, this is what we'll talk about. I'll read this and you can look at the picture up there. Um, who should we call that? Should we call that Carlos and Sean? Is that who that is? Does that look like you guys? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I... Um, it actually looks like my brother and I, that's what it really does. Yeah, that would be how we would have done it. Um, but the father, napping comfortably in his favorite chair, <laughs> snapped awake as the sounds of his sons happily playing catch in the backyard were abruptly interrupted by a wailing cry. Within seconds, the youngest appeared, face streaked with tears, uh, uh, holding his arm and saying that he hit me. He hit me. Anybody ever heard that one? Yeah, that's, uh, that is an accusation. Just then, the older brother, you know, rounded the corner, his face red with aspiration, and to interrupt said, oh, I did not, you big baby. I just threw the ball and you missed it. Why do you always have to make such a big deal out of everything? Dad, turning his face to his father, you've got to believe me. I didn't hit him. It was an accident, I promise. Yeah, sounds familiar, doesn't it? This scene has been probably replicated thousands, perhaps millions of times in backyards around the world. Fights between siblings are as universal as any human experience can be. Ultimately, such antagonism is rooted in something known as, and listen to this, sibling rivalry. Yeah, sibling rivalry. The tendency of brothers and sisters to compete for perceived dominance and favor within the family. That's what that is. Often such rivalry is a harmless phase, all but forgotten, but a few years. Sometimes, however, these feelings can last for years, even entire lifetimes, and never be fully resolved. 
And so in today's lesson, this one we're going to be talking about, we will work through a biblical story fundamentally shaped by the worst dynamics of sibling rivalry. That's really what Joseph was, um, I fail to use the word victim, but that's what he was. You know, he was a victim of that. This story simultaneously shows us the worst and the best of humanity as well as the always amazing grace and mercy of God. Can you say amen? Praise God. Amen. Which, um, <laughs> does anybody here remember fighting with somebody, a friend or your brother, that type of thing? Remember that? Remember how that made you feel? Yeah, it was, it was a tough, tough time. Praise God. But you know, if I remember right, and I, always, I don't always do, but uh, you know, we were very quick to, to forgive, forget, move on, that type of thing. Nothing seemed to last real long. And so I thank God for that. I thank God that, that, that we can move on. What are you looking at? That was a long time ago. I don't know how you remember that. That was probably five years before I met you. No, probably 10 years before I met you. Probably 15 years before I met you. Oh, the story. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I could I could really tell you some stories. It was it was quite a deal. We were the closest in age, so it was just one of those natural things, you know, that type of thing. I did. I did. He man he hit me hard. I mean I mean tell you. And I was out of that bed, I mean blood was all over the place. And he was out of the room. I followed him in the next room and all of a sudden I felt my dad's hand behind my neck. And he pulled me off of him, and, and it, the rest is, yeah. Hey, I'm not the only one that did that. I'm sure there's some of you that, oh, no, yeah, you guys are a bunch of angels, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, those are, I guess those are things that make your, your, your young years and that type of thing. But, um, yeah, yeah. Tonight we're going to talk about, um, uh, first of all, we're going to talk about dysfunction. And of course, we understand that you know dysfunction is not something that we, you know, uh, want to highlight in people's life. But there's a lot of that in in families. And one of the neat things um, that can happen is God can literally, literally begin to heal that kind of thing in in families. See, one of the dysfunctions that Jacob had was he he showed favoritism. That's what he did. You know, I can say this of my own mother. You know, God bless her soul that she didn't do a lot of that in our home. And you could tell, you know. I mean, she had her favors. I mean, let's face it, her oldest daughter, Carolyn, who died when she was 45, broke her heart. And um, she never did get over that, never did. And her and Carolyn were very close. That was her first child. She had her when she was like 22 years of age. And, um, and, and it was just a wonderful relationship. But you know, my mom, she really never did. Not that I can remember. She never really showed a whole lot of favoritism to us kids. Um, she was just kind of a tough old cookie. You know, our home was run much like a military camp in a lot of ways. And um, I don't regret that. I thank God for that. She really made, made us. But there's no question in my mind there was some dysfunction there. 
There just was. And I'm not shaming anybody here tonight when I say that. And that's why you and I, we must, we, we must understand that there's going to be some of that that needs to be rooted out of our lives. And we need to, um, um, you know, we need to take care of that in Jesus' name. Um, and so, you know, this favoritism really stemmed over to some of the hardships that happened to Joseph. His brothers got jealous. I mean, upset. I mean, my brother and I got into some fights. There's no question about it, but I don't think there was ever time that him and I wanted to kill each other or get rid of each other. I, uh, I can say that before God. But for this to happen. And the other thing you must understand with Joseph is Joseph was a whole lot younger than his other brothers. He was the son of his father's older age. And really, and probably in some terms, he should have been the grandson is what he should have been, age-wise. But I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that's just how it was. And so, you know, the, uh, the, um, uh, this is how we work sometimes. You know, we make a lot of mistakes in our earlier lives, you know, and we want to make up for it, don't we? And sometimes when we do that, you know, we can really, really upset the apple cart. And we got to be careful with that one. But how many knows that we got the help of God? Come on, if you've got any kind of dysfunction in your family right now, I'm here to tell you, God can help you to take care of it in Jesus' name. That's the good news. That's the good news in Jesus' name. You know, probably the, um, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back was the fact that um, uh, Jacob had a coat made for, Jake, for um, Joseph. Remember what it was? What was it? A coat of many colors. It actually was kind of a robe. And the real aspect of that was it was really kind of a positional thing. For him to wear that coat around, you know, reminded his brothers that, you know, he thinks he's going to be in charge, you know, or dad's going to give him all of this and all of that. So it was a constant reminder for those brothers, you know, to see that. And then, do you remember what happened? Oh boy, now Joseph's going to start pouring some salt into the wounds, isn't he? Literally, that's what he's going to do. And I, you know, I got to believe that Joseph did it innocently. He wasn't trying to brag. He wasn't trying to be anything. I mean, that's what I'm going to assume, okay? I don't know if that's the case or not. But the bottom line is, you know, it just infuriated his brothers, you know. And so this is where you kind of pick up the story in, in Genesis chapter 37. Let me give you something kind of as a side note. Now, Joseph was a dreamer, wasn't he? He was a dreamer. Let me show you something in the book of Job, chapter 33. I think I was teaching the discipleship class this not too long ago, or one of the discipleship classes. So if I was teaching you this, you just bear with me tonight. I want to show this to some of these people. Praise God. The Bible says in Job chapter 33, you know, um, that there's, there's at least, well, it's probably more than that, but there's at least three major ways that God will speak to us. Three major ways. Amen. And um, we need to, to, to take heed to that. Three major ways. The first one, look at verse number 14. Verse 14 of the 33rd chapter of Job. Scripture says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. So the first way that God will speak to a person is either through his word, an audible voice. I think that this could even go into the category of the conscience. The still small voice. But anyway, what God is doing is speaking into people's lives. That's what he's doing. And God will do that at a very early age, in my opinion. And he will speak to people. Well, another way, look at this in verse 15. And this is what Joseph got. 
And I believe some of you have too. It says, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep faileth or falleth upon men in slumbering upon the bed. That's another way that God will speak to us. And so we need to take heed to sometimes when we wake up and, and we got something on our mind that's kind of lingering, that type of thing. Because God wants to show us things. And you must understand, God is always trying to help us to move closer to Him. It's not a motive that He's trying to scare us. He's not trying to get us so that we will never come around Him. God is trying to help us to come to Him. And what a beautiful thought. What a beautiful thing that God would do that for us. And I believe He will do that for every human being on the face of the earth. Not just Joseph. Not just so-called special people. I believe that God will speak to everybody. I believe that before your life is over, I don't know how many there will be, but there will be dreams that God will begin to show. And, we, and, and, and again, that's the power of the human mind is that we can push some of that stuff into the back burner and we get used to doing that. And we've got to be careful with that. But the third way, and I, I, I'm personally, I don't want God to have to do this to me. But whatever, you know. The Bible says then in verse 16, Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. It says that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. There's the intent of God, actually. And then in verse number 19, look at this. If none of that's going to work, look at verse 19. He is chastened or punished. It says also with, yeah. A lot of times that's what happens. And it's not God's fault. A lot of times it's a result of us not listening to His voice. It's a, a result of us not heeding to the dreams that He gives us. And what happens is we end up with a lot of pain in life. But even pain can be one of those things. And unfortunately, folks, listen to me very, very carefully here. It's the way most of us come to God, by the way. Usually there's something bad in our life that's just aching us and that's what really, really gets our attention. And, you know, I, I, you know and, and whatever that has to be, let it be. I mean, that's the way I look at it. But I don't know about you, but as I live longer for the Lord, I don't want it to have to be that. I don't want to have to have pain in my life so that I'll come to God. I want God to be able to speak to me. I want God to be able to show me something in the middle of the night, praise God, and I will take heed to it, praise God. Let me show you something to go along with this. I, I feel the Holy Ghost right here tonight. And we're going to get to this lesson. Don't misunderstand me here. But look at Hebrews chapter number, I think it's half chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. Look at what it says. This is sound advice. And I hope that this will touch somebody's heart here tonight. Hebrews chapter number 2, it says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed, it says, to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Doesn't that make sense? Come on, the Bible says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken. Everybody say spoken. spoken. 
There it is. It says, by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard them. Can we put down our books right now and lift up both of our hands? And let's ask the Lord to renew that in our lives. Can we do that? Come on, I believe he wants to do that here tonight. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, right now, tonight, Lord God, we willingly submit to you. We willingly heed to the fact that, God, you're trying to speak to us. You're trying to give us dreams. And if it has to go to the place where we have some pain in our life, Lord God, help us not not to, to get mad at you or get bitter or to get revengeful. But, Lord God, to heed to this. To let this draw us closer to you. Let every person under the sound of my voice, every person tonight, Lord God, to take heed to this and to willingly submit to what this is going to do for them for the rest of their lives. And God, as always, I give you praise. I give you glory because I know you love us. You care for us, Lord God. You're not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. You, Lord God, really do want to see us saved and to stay saved in the name of Jesus. Touch every person here tonight, God. Let this go deep into our hearts. In fact, God, I'm going to pray pray that it'll go into the soulish dimension, that it'll go into our soul, and it'll begin to heal and touch and strengthen everyone in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I give you praise. I give you glory, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. You are our almighty God. You are our everlasting Father. There is nobody like you, Lord God. I thank you for this, Lord God. I give you praise for this in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The very first district conference I ever went to out here. I'll never forget this. My wife and I made the trip to Casper. It was all new to us. We didn't know what to expect and who we were going to meet and that type of thing. And it was just a wonderful experience. We were only able to be there for about a day, a day and a half. I was starting new jobs and it just schedule wouldn't allow it. But I'll never forget it. We were able to get in on, I think, two, maybe three services. And two of those services, there was a man named G.R. Travis. He come, he was the regional um, director, not director, but he was the representative from headquarters and he was conducting the, um, oh, the, um, the elections and stuff like that. And I'll never forget this man. He preached a message, a series of lessons while he was here. He, and he entitled them from the pit to the palace. And I, I never forgot that. In fact, I saw him, oh, probably 20 years later, I was in headquarters, uh, maybe 25 years later, and I saw him sitting there on the general board, and I went over to him, and I said, Brother Travis, I said, you probably don't remember me. And he says, no, I really don't. And I said, I said you came to the first district, super, or district um, function that I ever came to, and I said, you taught a series of lessons. I said, entitled, The Pit to the, to the Palace. And he looked at me and he began to smile. He says, you remember that? I said, yes. I said, that really, really blessed my heart. And what it was, it was on Joseph's life. 
It was tremendous how he talked about Joseph, you know, having a, you know, trying to keep a good attitude while he was in the pit. I mean to tell you, it just absolutely um, just sent chills up me, you know, and I, and, and I have been able to um, relive those lessons over the years in my own life because there's been times when I've ended up in the pit. And boy, I've remembered that. I thought, my, God, help me to be like Joseph. You know, I don't know if there's too many people in the Old Testament, but Testament are like this, but probably one of the closest people to Jesus in the Old Testament, in my opinion, would probably be Joseph. I mean, he was a tremendous guy, you know, and at 17 years of age, he was betrayed by his brothers. And I mean, he, he could have wrote a whole album of country songs. Yeah. Those, you know, he, somebody done me wrong song. Man, he could have probably done that one, right? You know, right away. And so the thing of it is, you know, we can glean so much from these people's lives. And I hope that you will. That's why I hope you will take some time this week and read the 37th chapter. You know, we're going to move on. This actually, his story goes into the 40s, you know, of Genesis. But it's a tremendous thing, praise God, what happened in the name of Jesus. And so from the pit to the palace, praise God, I think is a, is a, is a very important thing. But what I have returned it, I said from the pit to the prison to the palace. Because that's really what it was. And the steps that he took, praise God, were just tremendous in Jesus' name. And so he was done wrong by his brother, as we've already said. And so G Joseph was a dreamer of dreams. You remember what the first dream was? What was the, 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 the symbol in it? The sheaves. Yeah, and that's really kind of an old term. That's what they would do in, in the harvest field. They would bundle these things up, you know, when they, when they, when they were going to harvest them. Usually it was done with wheat, and they would put them in these bundles. And those bundles were called sheaves. That's what they were called. And his first dream was that, where there were, what, 11 of those sheaves, which represented his family, he thought, and they were bowing down to him. Remember the reaction? Yeah, it wasn't too favorable, was it? You know, that's why I'm saying I, I hope that it was Joseph's innocence. Because if he'd have had a little bit of sense, he might have thought, you know, I don't know if I'm going to tell him the second one or not. Because all he was doing was putting fuel on the fire. You remember what the second one was all about? What's that? Well, actually, the sun and the moon. Remember that? Yeah, the second one was the stars and the sun and the moon. And what were they doing? Bowing down. Well, that, that was meaning that, hey, Joseph is going someplace. But to um, Jacob's credit, the Bible says that the rest of them just kind of dismissed it and, and said, man, who does this guy think he is? And all the grumblings that go with that. But the Bible says, and, and, and it's kind of a byword of this, but it says that Jacob pondered this. He thought about this. And so you must understand, you know, this is, you know, part of the lesson tonight is the fact that we're talking about believing without understanding. Sometimes we're not going to understand all that God is doing. And you and I must allow these thoughts to stay. That's why I'm saying the next time you get up in the morning and you've had a dream that you're going, Man, I, I, I better be thinking about this. 
Well, that's, that's a good way to treat it. Because a lot of times, you know, we're not going to understand what God is doing. But later on, praise God, that understanding is going to come to pass. And as we progress through this story of Joseph, we're going to see that very clearly, that there came a time, praise God, at the end, that even Joseph himself said, now I know what God was doing. And so you and I, we must learn to trust the Lord. And we must, uh, you know, uh, depend on the Lord. And we must, you know, um, uh, really allow Him to have His full work in us in Jesus' name. Unfortunately, you know, this situation that was supposed to bring them closer to God is what actually infuriated the brothers and they began to hate, hate them and that type of thing. Let me read this real quickly for you. I'm going to read the 37th chapter of Genesis. I'm just going to read the first five verses here. The Bible says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of, Z of Zilpha, his father's wife. It says, And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, Joseph, or Jacob, rather, or Israel, loved Joseph more than all of his children. Why? See that? It says, Because he was the son of his old age. And it says, and, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren. See folks, it's not wrong to love people. But boy, when you start really laying it on one. Wow. I'm telling you. And I'm not saying that we don't have our preferences. But boy, God help us with that. Because we don't want to be a part of that in sibling rivalry. We don't want to be the one that's going to cause somebody to have a stumbling block. And as I said before, I don't think it's wrong to have favorites. I think that's just a natural thing of human beings. But boy, we've got to be careful with that one. And this is the thing that his father, in my opinion, made a mistake. The Bible says that the father loved him more than all of his brethren. And so the Bible says they hated him and could not speak peaceably with him. They could not be friendly to Joseph. Isn't that something? And this is a family. Praise God. And so this is a, this is a sad situation. But you know, God compensated Joseph by having him dream a dream. And he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And so, and as he said unto them, Here I pray ye this dream which I have dreamed. And so then he began to tell them about these things. And boy, the brethren, they did not, they did not like that. And so let's take heed to what's going on here and let the Lord begin to show you some things. And I believe that God can help us to become wise. Sister Carnahan, do you have that video loaded up? Let's see if that'll work tonight, huh? There we go. Following the discussion on Joseph and his dysfunctional family, question is asked, what are some dysfunctional uh, stylings that we can have in our family today? And there are several, but I would like to look at just one in particular, and that is the, the dysfunctional activity of disrespecting other family members. And this can go on from generation to generation. You've heard people call their dad the old man. That's an expression of disrespect. But he probably said that to his old man. 
So that family disrespect can travel from generation to generation. So this is one I'd like to briefly address today. And one of the, the, the second question was, how can we deal with that dysfunction that's operating in the family today? And so I go to one particular scripture today, and, and I think that it will help us. And it comes from the Ten Commandments. Out of the Ten Commandments, one of them deals with d respecting or honoring your mother and father. It reads like this from the King James. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Oftentimes we just quote the first part of it, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. But when the Lord originally gave that in the Ten Commandments, He added that last thing, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And the land that we want to inhabit, even on this earth, is land that the Lord gives us. It's a family lifestyle that the Lord gives us. So in order to, to abide in that land, to live in that land forever, is for us to honor or respect our mother and father. Now that's the Ten Commandments. It's Old Testament. Some would say that's not for us today. But Jesus brought it from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And he did that in Matthew chapter 19, verse 19. And he repeated this commandment, along with some others, to the rich young ruler. And to me, his expressions to the rich young ruler showed the Lord's interest in that Old Testament commandment of honoring your father and your mother, bringing it into Jesus' life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. But not only was it emphasized in the teachings of Jesus, but it was also emphasized in the teachings of the apostles. And let's look in particular at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians 6 is a wonderful chapter. It deals with relationships. Uh, and the first part of it, and we're looking at verses 1 through 4, it deals with the relationship between mother and father and children and their relationships going up river and down river as well. So look at how the first part of that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And that's going all the way back to Matthew 19 and 19, and then all the way back to the Ten Commandments themselves. So we should honor or respect our mothers and fathers, for this is right. But the second one says, Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, now mayest live long on the earth. So he's going back and repeating that Ten Commandment expression again. But then it carries it not from what the children honoring their parents, but it goes to how the father should treat the children. When it says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. There's a way that fathers can discipline, they can make corrections that makes the child angry, mad. There's another way that the, the same father, the same child, the father can make that correction with a little love in his heart and to make that child want to do what the father instructs. And that honoring goes both ways. And then finally it says, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I think this final conclusion of, of this particular chapter from 6 verses 1 through 4, this final conclusion of this part of the chapter is dealing with how the father can help the child to bring them up, not according to the will of the father, but in the nurture and the admonition of God himself. And I think these little, little tidbits are a great way to help us deal with some dysfunctions that can appear in our family today. Primarily, the dysfunction of that disrespecting of other family members. That's awesome, praise God. Good sound advice, in my opinion. You know, as I told you before, I, I think probably the, the worst thing we could do is when we, we see some, um, some of that in our own families is to deny it or to justify it and that type of thing. I think the best thing we can do is start working on it. 
Start identifying with it in Jesus' name. You know, um, to go along with what he's saying, you know, the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, he made reference to this starting in verse number um, uh, 20, or actually in verse number 19, it says to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting. Submitting, it says, yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. That's where something can really begin to happen. And then I won't, I won't go into this right now, but if you'll, if you'll follow this all the way to the end of the chapter there, it's talking about the line item aspect of the family. And so if we've got dysfunction, let's not try to hide it or try to say it doesn't exist, but why don't we go back to where God's plan is? And why don't we say, well, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to work on this. We're going to begin to take this family and we're going to give it to the Lord and we're going to begin to let this become the thing that, 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 that God does in every one of our lives. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe it'll take us a long way, praise God, with what God wants to do. Amen. You know, the point I want to make here at this point in time is that God can still work in the midst of that. He can still work with people. And, and, and a lot He does. Listen to this. We can be thankful that the story of Joseph does not look away from the ugliness of the rivalry between Joseph and his brothers. I'm glad God didn't just hide that and say, well, it, you know, you don't need to hear that. You know? It says, there is no glossing over the father's toxic favoritism or the brother's outright hatred. You read that story for yourself. That's why I'm encouraging you to go back and read that story. God didn't hide that. You know, any more than God hid what David did. Any more than God hid what Peter did. You know, and things like that. You see, you and I, we can learn such valuable lessons, praise God, by the mistakes of other people. Now, I'm, I'm not saying go out and make a bunch of mistakes so people can learn from you. But I am saying that you and I, we can begin to turn the situation around. And I believe something that at one time was t terribly dysfunctional can become functionable in the kingdom of God and people can get saved. People can begin to see the difference. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. To God be the glory. Can you say amen? That's the kind of thing that God can do. He can take the very thing that was just ugly and bad and all that kind of business and he can turn the thing completely around and he can begin to help us to become functionable people in the kingdom of God. What do you say we just thank him already for that? Come on, it's going to happen for you. It's going to happen in your family because it's the will of God. Come on, you can have, you can have faith in what God is doing. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for this promise. Hallelujah. I'm glad that you give us these stories to read, God. I'm glad that you don't hide none of this stuff from us. I'm glad that we can take a look at this, and a lot of times we're looking in a mirror. We're looking at ourselves. And I know sometimes that initially hurts. But God, it's not meant to put us down. It's not meant to keep us down. But it's meant to bring us back up so that we can be to your glory in the name of Jesus. And so to God be the glory for all that He has done in Jesus' name. Praise God. And so God took, literally took Joseph from the pit to the, to the palace. 
and boy, what a, what a beautiful thing that has become as far as um, you think about it. You know, I mean, there were several years there. I, he, he actually, um, I think it was around 30 years of age is when he was, became one of the leaders in, in Egypt. So you think for 13 years, 13 years, he had to endure some pretty tough stuff. But I'm going to tell you something right now. How many people, how many millions of people praise God, have been able to read that story and be able to go through the pit and then eventually be able to climb out of the pit and to give God some glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I thank God for people like Joseph that did that. And so praise the Lord. So his brothers, they plotted to hurt him, man. They were, they were meaning it. And, um, and they, um, they called him a dreamer. You know, and they didn't believe in him. They hated him. And then they threw him in a pit. And if it wasn't for, you know, who was it that, 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 that didn't want to kill him? Actually, it was Reuben that wanted to come back and, and return him to the father. You know, but boy, some of them, they just said, well, let's just get rid of him and let's just do it now. But thank God for intervention. Can you say amen? Praise God. And so what they ended up doing, as you know, Joseph's brothers ended up selling him into slavery. And he ended up in Potiphar's house. And, um, you know, the Bible says that he, you know, he made, you know, it wasn't long and he started making a tremendous, tremendous impression in that house. In fact, it didn't take him long to rise to some type of a role of responsibility. I believe we could learn something from that. Amen. Um, I remember the 28 years that I worked with the Haggerty brothers. They were good employers. I appreciated them. They, they were very kind to me. But I'll never forget the first time that um, I walked into their office over in Rapid City. I was actually on our way. We were moving here. And I wasn't yet employed by them. But I stopped by and they'd given me some instruments to fix. They just wanted to make sure I could do it. You know, well, to make a long story short, I remember looking at Tom Haggerty and he was looking at me and we were talking. I said, I will tell you this. And I just felt the boldness of the Lord. I said, if you will hire me, I said, God is going to bless your business. And that's all I said. And he looked at me and he smiled. He says, is that right? I said, yes, it is. And um, I'll never forget that. I, I went to work for Haggerty's, and after a year, they never came into profit over here in, in, the, in the Gillette store um, uh, from January until the end of November. They didn't make any money. They were just existing. They were paying their bills and that type of thing. And then usually it was December when they would actually start making money. Well, I wasn't with them one year. And they started getting into profit in September. Praise God. And I remember Tom Haggerty making, bringing that back to my memory. And I just looked at him and I said, to God be the glory. Amen. See, that's what I'm talking about, folks. If we'll walk into a place and we'll just make the promise and make the commitment that, listen, God, with your help, I'm going to make this place better. I am going to work this place, praise God. I'm not going to try to cut anybody out and I'm not going to try to become the villain here and that type of thing. But I am going to work hard. I'm going to give you the glory and I'm going to make this place a better place. I'm going to tell you something. I believe that might, you might end up in the pit. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to stay in the pit. 
And that's the thing about Joseph that really inspires me, praise God. No matter where he went, no matter how many things came against him, he was able to get, you know, get over that and he was able to climb out of that pit, praise God, and God got the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, how many here want to be a Joseph? I do too. I want to be a Joseph. I want to be one of those, praise God, that people can see, not so that they can look at me, but so that they can see the glory of God. Amen. And I believe that God's going to help us to do that in Jesus' name. Let me just read this to you. Uh, The tenacity of Joseph's faith in the face of such intimate betrayal is is, is an inspiring lesson for us today. Joseph did not let the severity of his trial poison him. There's an ex- a beautiful point. He didn't allow that bitterness to come into his life. He still held on to the dream he had been given even when everyone around him rejected it. Come on, let's get a little tenacity. Likewise, so should we hold on to our God-given dreams. Listen to me, folks. God has given you some dreams. I believe that. I believe some of you have gotten some visions from the Lord. Go back and start praying for them. Go back and say, God, let me get that inspiration back into my life. And I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a tremendous blessing that's going to come out of this in Jesus' name. And so, you know, let's look at Joseph, praise God. Let's keep an eye on how he kept his faith, praise God. I think of of Job in, in kind of the similar light. How that, you know, um, circumstances were able to take his family, his houses, his everything, even his health. But one thing that never was able to be taken from him, and that was his faith in God. That's why you can read the book of Job, and just like I showed you tonight, you can get some tremendous nuggets out of that book. God will show you some things in the pit. And one of the things that he'll show you in the pit is that's not your permanent residence. Praise God, you're going to get out of that pit someday and you're going to be in a place where you're going to be able to show the kingdom of God to hundreds, sometimes thousands in the name of Jesus. Isn't that inspiring? I'll tell you something, I thank God for that in Jesus' name. Praise God. So last of all, it is important to note that of all the characters mentioned in the, in, in, in the history, in Genesis chapter 12 through 50, nothing negative, now listen to this, nothing negative was ever recorded about Joseph. You can't find anything negative about him. What an inspiration, praise God. In fact, he is the only perfect character in the entire book, surpassing even Abraham. Joseph is also perhaps the most traumatized character in the book. And it is very likely that those realities are interconnected. Because he went through some of the hardships that he did and he was able to keep his faith in God. That was one of the things that was instrumental in his life doing and ending up the way it was. It is the essence of divine grace that God uses the trauma and the trials of our past to bring about unexpected and seemingly impossible good in our futures. A good we often will never recognize until the very end when the final pieces fall into place. In Joseph's case, it was not until after his father's death in Egypt that Joseph finally and fully recognized what God's divine plan was. 
Read chapter 50 and verse 20 if you want to find that out. Joseph finally saw the whole vision in Jesus' name. And so tonight, what we have done is we've had the first act of Joseph's story. We're going to connect the dots here in the next four weeks. So please come back. And so the first act of Joseph's story calls each of us to look deeply and honestly at our own painful memories and to re, uh, reaffirm in the face of all those negative feelings our faith in the reality and goodness of God's plan for our lives. Because of the reality of grace, we are free to own the truth, hallelujah, of our imperfect past, recognizing that God's grace is able to lift us up to the heights we've seen only in our dreams. So get back to letting God show you some dreams and start having faith in it in the name of Jesus, and you're going to go from the pit to the palace in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. You've been such a gracious, gracious group of people tonight. I appreciate that. I felt the Holy Ghost during this whole service, praise God, ministering to people. Yeah, it's painful sometimes when we get to see that dysfunctional stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. God's going to give you the ability through His grace to turn that around, and you're going to see some great things happen in your life in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much, Father. Oh, hallelujah. What a glorious future we have as the church. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. God, You are the perfect one. I thank You, Lord God, for this good, good group of people. Those that have joined us online, God, bless their lives. Let the word of the Lord have free course in them in Jesus' name. Let the name of the Lord be a strong tower in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for this in Jesus name and God I give you all the credit and the glory in Jesus name